Martin banks it off. Sutter is up with it there. Right around in front. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Leading goal scorer on the team. Drew one in front. It's the TC Martin Show. A tie game on the power play. Hodgson was at the front of the net. They are even. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. A power play goal by the captain. TC Martin. It's brushed on back by Richard Fuchs. Right up front. Younger fan inside of the net. Score! is now in hour number two on this wednesday tc martin show along with ballpark frank glad to have you with us of course streaming live at tcmartinshow.com and of course the podcast available on all of the platforms whether it's itunes spotify numchuck's got a whole laundry list of them but wherever you find podcasts find the show check it all out there and, of course, the website as well, too. You can hear Kevin Kruger's interview that we just completed last hour as well, too. That'll be up on the website at tcmartinshow.com. He's got that on speed dial 4 on his phone. He does? Yeah. Who's got it on speed dial 3? Remember that? Yeah, I do. Yeah, you do remember yeah. that? Yeah. Uh-huh. You're, you're afraid to say it, though. <laughs> you, know. you can't leave our listeners hanging because maybe they didn't listen to the show yesterday. Well, if they go to where he's got number 3, they won't be hanging for long. All right. Now, Chuck, you got some, uh, <laughs> you got some number 3 music for us? You know, <laughs> of course you do. Come on, that's that's in the system. We talk about it all the time. You know, where's Cinnamon at? Cinnamon taking the stage? What's going on? That's Quake's favorite right there. Yes, massage parlors. Deshaun Watson. What is the latest Deshaun Watson count today? Two more. Is it? <laughs> yeah, there's 16 now. But now his now Deshaun Watson's lawyer is complaining because. They won't give them the identification of the ladies, which says that it makes uh, it, it extremely difficult for them to provide a defense for it. Well, there's a reason they're all filing suits under Jane Doe, because they want the anonymity. They don't want their names yes. out there. But I do understand it from their point about it. It's like, how do you prepare a case about 16 people that have, uh, that have accused you of something, and you have no idea who any of them are, so you don't know where they happen or this, that, or the other. So it, it is a... I don't know exactly how it's going to happen because that's backfired on people before that have used that and haven't disclosed the people. But, yeah, they said that two more have now gotten in as well. So it is now up to 16 today. 16 civil lawsuits against Deshaun Watson, the massage parlor gate or whatever we want to call it. And all 16 are with the same lawyer. Now, Mm -hmm. I did find that. I don't know if that's normal or it, not. It is in when this you're case. doing kind of a class action yeah, so, shoot. So, yeah, suit. so it's kind of like yeah. if anybody else is out there that's under this same uh, scenario, you know, give a call to this number or something like that, and uh, the number continues to grow. Calling him a serial predator. Wow. I mean, that's pretty strong. But now, if there's 16 of them, and then, again, we and don't then, know how way, credible they are, but if it's 16, how many, you know, we know the, that's at least 16 massage parlor visits. How many really were there? Double? What's well, not a massage that? parlor visit? Remember, a lot of them were in room service and that. Traveling. So, yeah. But uh, I, I guess you would call this the not sweet 16. Yeah. But again, don't you. Uh, who are you calling that? You're not calling a massage parlor to get a traveling masseuse. Uh, who are you calling? Well, he's not calling massage parlors. He's, he's literally going to the, the ads and the, the list and that for professional masseuse and massages and that kind of stuff that will come. And, you know, I mean, there's a lot of. I well, mean, that's where he's going wrong, though, because, I mean, if you want to have what. What he wants to accomplish with the happy endings, you don't go to those places. You got to go to the nunchuck places. I don't know where you go, but 
something tells me that if he really wanted that, he could probably find it anyhow. Yeah, I mean, you love... You, you you like sports movies, some of them. Remember, even Most in, of, yes. in For Love of the Game, what was yeah. one of the things when Kevin Costner, when the girl came down to surprise him in Florida, he was getting it on with his masseuse. Yeah. Now, that was consensual. Yeah. So it's it's not like this kind of stuff doesn't happen. It's when it happens without consent that it's a problem. Mm-hmm. And now there's 16 allegations that this has happened without yeah. consent. Yeah. And who knows how many more. <clears throat> Just not really a... A good year for Deshaun Watson. You know, it just, uh, the Texans, all that, uh, the stand that he took kind of backfired on him, demanded a trade. They said, nope, we're not going to trade you. Gets a new GM, gets a new head coach, not on the same page. Now he's got to get a new masseuse. He's gone through 16 of those at least. Now they're turning on him. Everyone's turned on him. Texans fans turned on him. Well, but allegedly he turned first and yeah. tried to rub something up against them. So. <laughs> Allegedly. I'm glad you said that. I, I wasn't there, and I'm glad. And I don't want to see the video. Yeah. Just like some people are upset that they never got to see the Robert Kraft video because they destroyed it all because Kraft's lawyer said that they could use that to blackmail him down the road or something like that. So yeah. the judge is, I don't see, need to see that video. See, I have no desire. I, I've always wondered, you know, what the protocol or the procedure is. Again, I'm showing my, you know, I'm being naive here and not going to these places. But, you know, what, what is the sign? Now, I have heard from a credible source that you're going through the massage. And if you're going to these certain type of massage parlors, you know, say not your, your high fluent ones, you know. But you're going there and you're getting the kind of the, the half-ass, uh, you know, massage there. That's that, terrible. That the sign is, is when they roll over. So if they're laying on their stomach, but when they roll over... Then there, there's that universal sign that happens, and then it's like, and there they go. Uh, again, I, I don't know myself. I, I have never been there I have a either. credible source that says you know? that's the sign that when you turn over, and the okay. ta- that, then it's showtime. Okay. That's it. If it, it, so if you turn over and you're giving them the not thumbs up, but something else up sign, then everything's ready to yeah, go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You remember back in roller derby? Do you remember the sign for cut off the jam? Yeah. Okay. You're right. And what is that uh, very similar to? It's like the blocking foul in basketball with a referee, right? It is, yeah. So there it is. So kind of pretend or get that visual, uh, you know, for this topic here. All right. Definitely not the, not at the skating rink. You don't get that. I love the skating rink. Are you kidding me? Well, you, but you, you go back up, there where you get the skates. But you brought up who knows what's happening back there behind the snack bar. But, but anyway, but you brought up the roller derby. Yeah, so, so he's playing the all skate. Uh, oh, thank you very much. See? I like it. I See? like it. Okay, so so you got that sign. So then it's similar to the let's all go at the massage parlor sign where you're going. So instead so, of yeah. doing the roller derby, why don't they just do Degeneration X? Because yeah. you know what they said right after that. <laughs> Literally, what you're asking for. <laughs> Hey, save that for, for Rob Van Dam tomorrow. That, that's wrestling talk right there. You know, I mean, I don't know. What, you know, what, what, For all I know, the sign is if the massage table has a glory hole in it, maybe that's the sign. I have no idea. I don't go there. No, Chuck, I, I want to call a massage parlor. I want to do, do it today. <laughs> he's going to his phone. He's, he's, going. He's, he's, he's not going Google. He's not going phone books. He's not going old school yellow pages. He's scrolling through his phone. Well, because speed dial three doesn't translate if he's using a different phone. His phone doesn't work for on air. All right. So he'd actually have to look up. He doesn't know the number. He just knows it's three. All right. (laughs) That's true. And it's three because it's 
a threesome. <laughs> all right, all right, let's go. Allegedly, I, yeah. I don't know. I need to get a little bit more educated here. And it sounds like you know you want to be an investigative reporter yourself here about this. So. I don't. You know, I've always. <sighs> Like, I'll see the things, you know, when they have sweeps weeks in TV, and you'll see that's when they're doing crackdowns in yeah. some of the massage parlors and that, because it's always news and that, and prostitution massage parlors, this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. I always kind of, like, get all queasy and almost, like, throw up a little bit in my mouth in that. Mm-hmm. When I see them going through those places with the black light and everything, right? it's right. like, why would anybody go there? <laughs> I mean, it's it's not like they completely desanitized the place a hundred percent. All right, I think hey, I think he's got a massage parlor. Here we oh, go. Oh boy. <laughs> hey, flower shops one day, massage parlors the next. Hello, I I would like to uh, inquire about services. Can I get a massage, please? Um. Okay, you're coming. Okay. You how many people? Uh, excuse me. Please, uh, please say that again. I'd like to. I'd like to a- ask some information first. So, can you tell me um, how much would it be uh, for a general massage? Uh, I'm sorry. I know what it is. You text me. I translation. Okay. Oh, translation. <laughs> we need a translator. Okay, that's good. Bye. Okay. Is she getting a translator, or she decided to hang up? She. <laughs> She's saying she don't have one. If you don't get one, you're done. What, what kind of customer service is that? I mean, sitting there asking. About how how much? A massage? Give me some information. And what kind of customer service is that? What kind? Of, don't they want business? I don't know if that's a problem for him. I really don't. I I have no idea. You know, it, it seems more like uh, check. You call her back, please. Seems more like a ring the doorbell or knock on the door type of service. Then you probably get better customer service. I don't know. Well, listen, I don't want to get. Uh, you know, I got to find out where my price point is here. You know what I'm saying? It's just like shopping. You got to go ahead and you got to go look at the ads in the paper and, you know, see how much you're spending for your Coca-Cola. Now, that would be an interesting shopping show. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, forget about supermarket sweep. (laughs) Massage parlor sweep. If we have a massage parlor expert not named Deshaun, please call. All right. 221-7283. Or not running our board. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) See how long I took him to go do that? Because he was doing something else. There it is. Numbchuck, you got another one for me? All right. Because, again. Oh, wow. Well. Yeah. yeah. I... They're not even answering them. They're like, forget it. Same. They had caller ID. It's, it's the same place, different number. See, that that just leads to my, my shadiness of these places. If they're not going to give me information on the phone. Is this a different place? Oh, okay. See, he's got plenty of is it. This is speed dial four for you? Yes. Okay. Hello, let me help you. Yes, hi. I'd like to uh, inquire about getting a massage. Um, what are the hours at your establishment? Um, we open 24 hours, seven days a week. Oh, okay. So how much yeah. How much would it be for a general massage? Uh, usually we charge 50 for half hour, 80 for per hour. Okay, and what does that include? Just a massage. Massage, okay. That's uh, yes. that, that's back, shoulder. Is that that's yes. that's full body? Full body. Full mm-hmm. body. Okay. All right. Uh, any, yep. a- anything else? No. Uh, happy ending? No. Massage only. Massage only. Okay. That's good. That's good. And uh, do I need to make an appointment, or do you accept walk-ins? Both. Of- can I can I make a, a reservation? Uh, 
Uh, yeah. Well, for what time and how many? Okay, how many? Oh, I can I can <laughs> bring somebody with me. Yeah, you can. We had a couple rooms. You can bring your wife or girlfriend too. Oh, really? Okay, good. And do I get to pick a, a male or a female masseuse? Just female. Oh, just maybe if a male. I don't know because in this uh, we can make the appointment for you if you come over. Oh, okay. And, and, what, and what do the masseuses uh, wear? What? What? What are they wearing? Clothes. Oh, why? You wear clothes. Oh, not. What do, want, what do you want me to to wear? Oh, why? Huh? What do you wear? I want you to wear clothes. That, that'd be fine. I didn't know if you wear robes or or, or what. Uh, That's your good. question is so weird. Okay, only we we do massage only. If it's something else, not here. Okay. Oh, Bye. Good to know. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, reservation for two under the name of Deshaun, please. There you go. All right. There you go. <laughs> See, Nunchuck, you picked you picked the wrong one, Nunchuck. That wasn't one of your regulars, was it? There it is. Either See, that or he picked the total right one. Yeah. And she is a complete pro and knew that there was something not right about that call. A little hanky-panky? I don't I know. I was just trying to get some information, my friend. That's all we were trying to do there. I did like that answer, though. Yeah. What do you wear? Clothes! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want her to wear? So you're trying to say if the translation was better with the first call that I might have gotten a different answer? Is that what you're thinking? I'm saying I have no idea, and I am <laughs> not going to be investigatively reporting this on the way, when I get home tonight. All right, let's talk some hockey. Let's do that. How's that? All right. Speaking about full contact sports. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, so you heard the story about referee Tim Peel. Uh, he will not work another game in the NHL after getting caught on the mic saying that he wanted to give the Nashville Predators a penalty in their 2 nothing win over Detroit last night. So we're going to set the scene here. There's a 15.04 left in the second period. And Predators forward uh, Victor Arvidsson was called for tripping Red Wings defenseman John Merrill, former Golden Knight there, right? Yes, All yes, right? yes. In the offensive zone, even though replays clearly showed that Merrill just embellished his fall to help draw the call. Which is a penalty in itself if it it's is. called that way. Yeah, and it is now in basketball, which we rarely see with the flopping call. Exactly, right? So uh, yeah, Peel made the penalty call from center ice. Um, so with 12.42 remaining... Uh, in the second period, the Nashville broadcast captured audio with Peel saying this. There wasn't much, but I wanted to get a f- penalty against yeah, Nashville early. Wow. Okay, again, uh, let's play that one more time. So here is a referee, all right, Tim Peel. There wasn't much, but I wanted to get a f- penalty yeah, against Nashville early. He wanted to get a effing penalty against Nashville early. Didn't realize that the mic was hot. These referees, these officials are wearing mics. So, number one, you can't drop the F-bomb. Number two, you may be thinking that, but you certainly don't say it. Well, first off, the old, I didn't know the mic was hot. If you're mic'd up, the mic's always hot. Mm. (laughs) You might not be on air, but the mic's always hot. Correct. Because you just can't make that assumption. Number two, this is a guy who's retiring at the end of the season anyhow. If it was a guy who was still going to be around a little bit longer, I have a feeling they might have just suspended him or something. But it's like, you know what? You want to get out of the game. You're done. We need to get you out right now before anything else goes on. But again, what he says is, eh, it wasn't much. Translation, 
It wasn't a penalty. It wasn't. I needed something to call, and I called it, damn it. That, that's the bottom line. It wasn't much in hockey speak means there wasn't a penalty. I called a penalty because I wanted to give a penalty to Nashville. I don't know why. Does he not like Nashville? Now, of course, you have the conspiracy theorists. Oh, he probably bet Detroit on the money line or something, or there's some kind of gambling thing or something, because everybody always jumps it into the next, uh, you know, the next vortex or whatever. But no, it wasn't. It wasn't a penalty, whether he doesn't like Nashville, whether he thought Detroit so bad that they need a little bit of help from the referees, whatever the reason. He said right there, it wasn't much. No, it wasn't anything. If it was a penalty, it was on Detroit. You called it the other way. And then you even said, I wanted to call a penalty on him. Come on, man. Okay, and obviously this is a story, and it's you got a little conspiracy theory like you just mentioned You know, with this. And we've seen the national media hit it. Hit it. Our local media is hitting it as well, too, as I got a call today from our good friends at Channel 13, who you know I, I appear on. Every now and then. So they wanted to come out and, and interview me. And that'll be on the news if anybody wants to, to see it tonight at, at 630. But the questions they were asking me was, well, do, you know, you know what, what do you think of this first and foremost? And, you know, is this that big of a deal? And I answered and I'll say it again now. No, I don't. This is something that happens in every sport that you get a, a, an official that will, will make a call, a call basically kind of to set the tone. Felt like he wasn't really calling enough penalties. May feel that the game was maybe starting to get out of hand. And I didn't watch this game at all. I didn't see it from start to finish or whatever. It's the but, Red Wings. Not okay. too many people were watching there, the game. There you go. Okay. <laughs> so we see this a lot in basketball. In, in even football to a certain degree. When you have a rivalry and you go, okay, we, we don't want any flare-ups. We don't want any fights to break out. See it in basketball when things are getting, getting kind of uh, – you know, tight. Yeah, and, you chippy know, and stuff. Little chippy, yeah. exactly. Yeah, they want to take control yeah, they, of the game they and, take and control. show right. their authority right. or that I'm not putting up with right. any BS tonight. So I don't think that any of that, again, I didn't see anything that happened prior to this game, but he comes out and says, well, I just wanted to call one on Nashville. Now, is that because maybe he's had some instances with Nashville players in the past or coaches or possibly did something happen in the first period where things were getting a little bit chippy? So, hey, I'm going to settle this thing down, and we're going to go ahead, and, and, and I, I want to call one, okay? I don't think it's that big of a deal because it's early on in the game. It's a regular season game. Like you said, it's Detroit. It's Nashville. Uh, there's no playoff implications here. It's not a playoff game. It's certainly not a Stanley Cup you know, final game or that sort of thing. So, no. I, I don't think that there's gambling implications. I don't think there's any implications. I think what you got here is a questionable official who is, you know, and you know better than I do when it comes to this, but there's always that one or two guys, whether it's an umpire in Major League Baseball, who you really don't care for, that doesn't come across well to fans, to players, to managers. Same thing in basketball. Uh, same thing, you know, really NFL, we, not not so much. But you see this in different sports. And apparently Tim Peel has had some problems before because he's been a much maligned official. I mean, going back where he was actually removed from doing a New Jersey Devils game after he was seen drinking at a bar with a reporter. Now, they thought this was a violation, but again, he's been a much maligned official where there's been some questionable stuff, questionable behavior with this guy. And again, 
A lot of these guys we see in the NBA a lot. They do think they're a little bit bigger than the game. Heck, we saw with Tim Donahue, and I know that's a gambling reference, but we've seen it with, I mean, a lot of these old-time guys. This guy has refereed over 1,300 games. He's been doing it since 1999, and it wouldn't surprise me, and you probably know this guy a lot better than I do, that he kind of feels that maybe he is you know, above the law to a certain degree. Well, unfortunately, and I don't know when this started or how it started, but there's some officials that act like, People bought tickets or they turn on the TV to see them. I mean, what's the old adage? When you don't hear an official's name or something like that is when you know they're probably doing a good job. You know, but but that's not the way it is anymore. And and you mentioned Tim Donahue. And, yeah, look at him. He had a handicap in service when he literally would tell people what lines to bet in games strictly by the officials of the game, not the talent on it. There was the official that the San Antonio Spurs always said was always had it in for them. And then he would point that stuff out, and he said a lot of that before games. You're from Sacktown. Uh, what do you think wow. the Sacramento Kings think I, about that one Laker series? I, I was I was there that night. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, even Laker fans got to go, yeah, maybe that was a little bit out of line. Mm-hmm. We talked about it in a basketball game and women's basketball yesterday on Terrible Tuesday with the one team getting twice as many calls and blatantly bad calls against them. Three in the last 54 seconds. So what happens the in all sports from, and that? From going forward, yeah. We know what happens in hockey. It happens in football. And for whatever reason, sometimes officials have it against some team or a certain player or something too. Uh, the, the, the old baseball umpire years ago that said that he would call strikes on one guy when he was up the, up the bat just because he didn't like him. Of course. A pitch bounced in front of the right. plate and he called strike three on the guy for crying out loud. So you have it. Now it's harder to do maybe in today's game with all the videotape and say, you know, I mean, what would spot shadow say on that? Mm-hmm. Well, here's the, you know, the strike zone and Oh, well, that, wasn't, that didn't even bounce into the strike zone. Right. Yeah, you can't get away with that. But, like yeah, that. but, but yeah. it is a lot different in that. But, again, the thing about it is it's a guy who's been around a while, in my opinion, who's already retiring anyhow, and he knows he's mic'd up. I don't want to say that he intentionally got himself fired, but he had to be cognizant or have an idea. Maybe he had a brain cramp, and he did forget he was mic'd up for a second. But if he did, then good riddance anyhow. And if that's how you even officiate in a game, good riddance anyhow. Because it is a black eye on, on the league, but the NBA had that problem way more than anybody. Doesn't seem to have affected their TV ratings or anything else. When you've been an official for over 20 years, you do have a certain way you carry yourself. And over 1,300, you know, 1,334 NHL games to be exact – you just kind of, I don't want to say you're mailing it in. Like I said, he's going to retire at the end of the year. He's calling a career. And the NHL said, you know what? We've had enough of you. You're done. Forget about it. We're not going to let you finish out the season. And I think the NHL did this because they won to, to make a stance here. They want to say, hey, you know, we're going to be viewed here as something shady's going on, especially in our society today, the way social media is, everything else. And, you know, there, there's all kinds of, of, of things that are going on. Uh, you just want to just distance yourself from this guy. Well, they use now, the integrity of the game reference. They, they, so, exactly. So, so, so yeah. So, so, I mean, they're obviously – they're almost looking at this as a – see, we're cleaning up as soon right. as we know anything's exactly. going wrong. But don't you agree with me that this isn't the case? That This really isn't the case about integrity of the game. This is more just about one guy, and he's not the only guy that does this. 
I mean, officials do it in every other sport where they just want to kind of send a message. Like you said, don't like somebody or don't, you know, just say, hey, okay, I just want to, you know, curb things down a little bit. I don't think there's anything malicious there. I think the guy's a goofball because he used the, the F-bomb. And, and again, you, you don't even need to say, I wanted to call one. Why are you even saying that? Because you think that you can get away with it because... You think you're untouchable because you are such a veteran. You're at the end of your career. I think that's what it's all about, but it's not a gambling thing. It's not any conspiracy theory or whatever. I think the guy's just being an idiot. I think he's being an idiot. I think he's trying to show that I'm I'm the I'm the judge, jury, and executioner here. And I'm going to call the game I want to or whatever. And so he did that. And remember, you, we mentioned Tim Donahue. Remember years ago when he was talking about a basketball game where the crew – they had a steak dinner bet on the game between the three of them, the one that would be the last one to call a penalty or a foul. And they said that both teams were going at it, and the one official was like, wow, I knew that was a foul, but I didn't want to have to pay for dinner. Yeah. I mean, it's like some of the silly thing that goes on, we all want to believe that these people have higher moral standards and that they're above everything else. They don't have any cheering interest. You know that some of these guys, they become friends with players. They become this and that. They're supposed to be completely unbiased. They're supposed to be Lady Liberty Mm -hmm. with the blindfold on and see nothing. They're human beings. You look at the penalty minutes in this game. Nashville, eight. Detroit, six. They did their best to try to even things out, right? And that's the way that it also tends to go in hockey a lot. You look at the hits. Detroit, 11. Nashville, seven. In this game. So how often have you listened to a Vegas Golden Knights game? If you're listening on the radio or on TV, because Gary Lawless says both when Lawless will say, well, you know what? Things aren't even right now. So we're getting the next call. It's a, is a hockey fan. You know, it's something that still goes on. It's every sport, my friend. But then the other flip side of it is all of a sudden, oh, now we're up three. Yeah. We ain't getting no call. Well, they're going to have to literally try to decapitate somebody to get a call here because well, they're not going to give us a power play when we're already up three. We say it all the time in the NFL. If it's a foul or a penalty in the first minute of the game, it should be in the last as well. But it's not. How often do you, an NBA official or a college basketball or whatever, say, well, that might have been a foul, but I don't. I don't want to control the game at the end or in something the last like that. Ten or twenty Guess seconds, what? right? By not calling the yep. penalty, you did that very same right. thing. Well, we see it all that I we were watching a game the other night. Again, there were sixteen fouls to one. Well, you know darn well that things are going to get evened up, and coaches are going to be you know in those officials' ears. And sure enough, just like that, it was six to four, just like that, and team fouls, and then evens out. So again, they're. They're, they're human, but then again, they are doing some of these things subconsciously. Now, in that particular game, we're 6-1. to one, You can make the argument where that, that team, and that's what I thought, it's like, okay, they're not going inside. Of course they're not going to get any calls because they're, they're firing up threes. Yeah. Okay? So there, are, there is a reason for that. But the bottom line is a foul's a foul. doesn't matter where it is in the game, where it is in the floor, what the clock says. A foul is a foul. But... Again, when you get this guy, Tim Peel, to come out and say, hey, I wanted to call an F and one early on Nashville, this just, it's not right. Okay, so of course, integrity is going to come into play, uh, but is it much deeper than that? We don't know for sure, but I just think this is, this is just a, a lazy official to a certain degree who's ready for retirement and wants to try to, you know, throw a little bit of control or in maybe his words or his mind kind of, you know, set the tone for what's going to happen later. And I think set the if it tone- happened at the end of the game or something, maybe I'd feel a little bit different. And if it affected the actual outcome of the game, then that's a different story. That's Tim Donahue. 
Yeah, and I think, Seth, the tone is a good way to put it, too, because it seems like that's what he was trying to do when he said he almost was apologetic or angry that he couldn't call one earlier. I wanted to call an early one on him. Oh, I finally got this. This also wasn't a penalty, but it's the closest thing. I finally had a chance to call something on him to basically let Nashville know I got my eye on you tonight. Yeah, you're the better team, but don't think you can be getting away with any extracurriculars. There you go. All right, we come back. Scott Spritz is going to join us, and we start breaking down the Sweet 16. What's up, y'all? This is Sinbad. You checking my boy, T.C. Martin, talking about what's happening. One, two, three, four. All right, don't forget, for all your CBD needs, it's RVD, CBD.com. That's right. Go to the website. 21% 21% off anything on the website. It's already very affordable. And there you go. Jump on board. 21% off. Got to use the promo code TCRVD. Gummies. Smokables. Cream. Oh, the cream. Whatever you need there. And, uh, you know, my shoulder has been bugging me. You know, when you brought those samples by at the Cosmopolitan a few weeks ago, good results there. Double B liked it. You know, you tried it. We all tried it. There it is. So RVD, I didn't, I didn't get the cream. You didn't get the cream. What'd you get? Oh, you got the gummies. Yeah, he gave me some gummies. Here. Yeah, I'd like your gummies. I'll tell you when I take them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 the answer we want to hear right there. That's a solid endorsement. I'm not gonna lie. No, I ask you to lie. Ask the guy behind the glass that doesn't talk. He'll give you the thumbs up. There you go. Thumbs up right there. See? He knows for a fact. Uh RVDCBD.com. Check it all out. Use the promo code TCRVD for 21% off. RVD in the house tomorrow. So here's some good wrestling stories. And uh, I guess I'm not supposed to say, you know, Numchuck says, but, you know. Oh, don't don't say it. Don't say it. But someone that we know is. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Ding. Can I get a ding? He's going to be there eventually. There you go. Just saying. And, hey, you guys will be happy to know that, um, so you know, I've been talking about, the, yeah, I know, I'm getting all excited. Um, the, they interviewed me for the WWE, we talked about this before, the Rob Van Dam uh, documentary that's doing. Right. So today, I actually went through my old NWC Masters and found them and shipped them off to Stanford, Connecticut, so they, we could see RVD, or you guys could see RVD. Uh, in his NWC days in the mid-90s at the Silver Nugget. So there it is. I had to dig, 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 and I, and I found the old masters. So I know you guys have been asking me You that. can do it! There you go. Now, what were, what were they on? Uh, Betacam. Okay. Oh, and you'll like this one, too. What thought about you? I don't want to keep Scott waiting so long, but Scott's a wrestling fan. I mean, Scott remembers those days back in the Ooh, Silver Nugget. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, as you know, we would do some uh, promo stuff with your old station, Comp, right? Right. And uh, so there was some footage of us taking Cactus Jack into the comp studios that we played that aired on the television show. Okay. So And that was Cactus Jack, not Mick Foley, not Mankind, yeah, but Cactus that, Jack. Exactly. One and, of his yeah, and was many great. personalities. And and we in the gentleman's name who was was the DJ back back then, the on air personality. Uh, it was it was not Frank uh, Harnish or Frank Fredericks, but again, the name kind of es- escapes me. But uh, yeah, he, we gave him some love. Was it there. a morning show thing? Or a- I think yeah, it was a morning show. Yeah, we went in there like seven thirty in the morning. Yeah, uh, it, it was nineteen ninety five, ninety six. Yeah, uh, Lark and the Bird. It wasn't Lark and the Bird. It was like it was a uh, Randy Morrison used to be a jock there doing some stuff. Yeah. Big Marty. Yeah, Freddie Woods. It wasn't Freddie. Freddie was the it was the nighttime. But anyway, so there there we go. Craig uh, Williams, who was yeah. the intern for yeah. Lark and the Bird way back when. Yeah. So uh, 
I'll have to go back and, and look at that again. But it wasn't one of those guys. But someone I'm sure that you, you knew. It might have been a weekend or something, too, so it could have been one of the weekenders. No, I, I think it was, I was – we usually did stuff on Fridays because, again, we okay. would go in the morning show, Friday morning, whatever. Now I feel bad that I even brought it up there. So yeah. I mean, I started there in 93, so I might have been in the building. Yeah, you, prob- you, you could have been. But then again, I don't think you ever got up that early. You're a nighttime guy back then. If I had to do a shift over on KORK, Big Bands, Ballads, and Broadway. <laughs> the three Bs? We played more Frank Sinatra than anybody in town. That was one of the monikers of the station. Well, there's a great segue to our next guest. Here he comes, ladies and gentlemen. It was also the station for the Stars baseball game. So the Stars before the 51s and before the Aviators. He's not Lawrence Welk, but no, he is Scott Spritzer. What is going on, my friend? I don't know how else to bring you in. I mean, you could be on hold forever. I I have to find some way to bring you in. A wonderful, a wonderful. (laughs) All kinds of memories coming back to mind. You know, I'm listening to the wrestling talk, and I'm thinking back to my days as a child where it was church, home, Ralphie Valadares roller derby, and oh. then the AWA, the American yes. Wrestling Association. There you go. There you go. D- don't forget that. Hey, hey, Scott, we talked about roller derby the last segment, cutting off the jam with Tony Roman of the Bay Bombers. There you go. Are you, I got to tune in because I, I had to miss it for another, I had to do another show. I have to, I have to tune in and check out the podcast then. Um, hey, Frank, I got to ask you real quick. What? Station, did you say you were at that did the stars? Uh, that was KORK. Oh, okay. I was going to say I was at KLAV back in the day, and you know, back when it was an independent, and we did uh, the stars baseball, and we all we did all the big band music, and then we would do angels baseball stars. I would have four to five reel to reel, you know, tape decks or whatever you call them that would be on five different desks on a Saturday afternoon because we covered four or five different teams and it was jumping from one recording to the other as we did tape delay back in the day. We're talking late 80s. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that was – I thought maybe you were at KLAV. That's why I had to ask, but a lot of memories there. Yeah, no, it was KORK, and we used to actually have the reel-to-reel, and we used to have to tape all the games because John Sandler was the announcer, and we would have to flag every play because then at the end of the game he would pick the play of the game, and in some of those old PCL games you might have a 23-21 to game or something, and you're wondering, I'd have to keep a list of all the plays I had and then find it later because it would be like, well, you want to use that Grand Slam? Oh, how about we use the bases loadout clearing triple or something? Then you'd have to remember wherever everything was and then put it on a cassette <laughs> and put it in the comp and point studios afterwards for the stars play of the day that the morning show would play the next morning hey, okay the greatest thing was was when you came in guys you'd come into the studio i'd come in at 10 o'clock at night and the guy before me would be recording angel baseball and then i would go and i would start at one of my shift would start tape delay and you'd go you know okay we're going to a break you know it's bottom of the third heading to the fourth and then when you bring that new tape back it says okay top of the seventh that happened quite often, but uh, Dom Valentino was the star's <laughs> announcer back in, in the days when I was running the board over there. So I, I got it here. There it is. I found it. So see if his name rings a bell. Um, Bruce Allen. Oh, yeah, Bruce Allen. Bruce Allen, the mad Canadian, and Larry Powers in the doctor's office. Uh, the lot. mad Canadian there was Dave Byers. Bruce Allen was Bruce Allen in the, the out-of-control rock and roll yeah. show. So that was part of the deal. So these guys wanted, because yes. we would bring the wrestlers by the Lotus Studios, the comp, stu- comp studio there, and they wanted to be part of the show. So uh, I did, you know, the doctor's office was like a, a cheap imitation of Piper's Pit. And so Bruce Allen and the Mad Canadian came on, and they got pummeled by Larry Powers. Yeah, so that was good stuff. You know, TC, <laughs> back in the day, early 90s, I was working for National Sports Services, and we had a deal where we were working with Lou Albano, uh, John the Greek Tolis, 
Bruno Sammartino, the Bushwhackers, yes. all those guys. Yep. And we had them in studio quite often for about a six- to eight-month period back in around, I'm going to say, 91-ish, right around there. So I got to meet all those guys, and I got to see this. I don't want to say it was a friendly opposition or competition, but there was some bad blood between Captain Lou Albano and Bruno Sammartino. Oh, yeah. And I can't say it on air, but there were a few things that Lou Albano happened to call Bruno back in the day. And Bruno was like a gentle, just a gentle man. I don't mean a gentleman, but a gentle man. Mm-hmm. And he would just blow off Albano, and he'd you know, call him a few names back <laughs> under his breath. Uh, but I, I thought we were going to have to break up Captain Lou and Bruno. And I was going to be nowhere near them. I called out Cowboy Bob Orton one night. I thought he was going to, you know, pile drive me off the top ropes in the studio, and I learned my lesson. See, we should have had Scott on tomorrow when RVD's here. Hey, bringing up the, the, some wrestling stories. Fit right in, Scott. Bruno San Martino, as far as I know, the only man to ever body slam Haystacks Calhoun. Yeah, wow. There you go. 636 and, and pounds, I, by the way. We were recording a show, and Cowboy Bob Orton was the, the uh, subject of the show at the time, and he had great stuff, excellent stuff. And I went, man, I go, you got a hell of a writer, but if you ever need one, give me a call. I go, great writing, you know, great writing, a great script or whatever. And he looked at me, and I thought he was going to kill me right there. And that's when I said, okay, I've, I've commented enough from my angle. <laughs> from now on, it's yes sir, no sir back Bob, in the day. Bob was a great guy, man. Uh, Cowboy Bob Orton, yeah. lo- loved that guy. He was really down to earth and – uh, just seeing him backstage, just I always had a Budweiser in his hand as well too. You know, it didn't matter. If it, was, it didn't yep. matter if it was before the match or after the match. Just you know, kind of rocking back in his his chair, had his cast on because remember he always had that cast. You know, with uh with Roddy Roddy Piper as the bodyguard and, and a beer with the cowboy hat with the you know the open uh, you know kind of you know cowboy jacket there. Was Hilarious he part stuff. of the Freebirds too? No, no cowboy, cowboy Bob. Bo- I, don't, I don't believe so. No, he that was, was in later. Ta- well, he was some tag team that he did. Mm, yeah, but not 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 okay, yeah. He looked like it with the hair and everything. Yeah. he looked like one of the free birds, no doubt about it. All right, Scott, do you do you want to talk some basketball at all, or what do you want to do today? Is, is there basketball <laughs> to talk about? Yeah, I guess there is. Huh? For something. <laughs> I'm enjoying the wrestling talk. <laughs> I know who who doesn't love it. All right, especially our old NWC days. Great stuff, man. First two rounds of the tourney, my friend. Uh, give us your synopsis. What was the Scott Spritzer record? We actually kept it little safe we kept it a little safe okay. and we went seven two and one uh from wednesday night's turdy action which included an nit play right through the final buzz of the, of the final game on uh, monday and so a very nice little run there and um again i've been doing this all season i decided before the season i'm not going eight nine ten games deep on a busy card i'm going to go more of a two to three plays deep on a card and that's what we did again in the big dance and it turned out to help out quite a bit um, and basically just played a couple of games per day on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. And, and, uh, and I think that's, you know, was the way to do it with all the craziness of COVID and everything else affecting rosters and affecting games. And, uh, but, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a fun time, man. And watching what happened on Monday, you know, for me it was great because I had UCLA, which was my only play, by the way, on Monday. And then having my hometown team, as you know, uh, cash easily on Monday. I had a couple of friends of ours who were in the, in the business who had big plays on Creighton, so I was rooting for them. Uh, but overall, you know, the only, I guess, surprise to me, you know, obviously Oral Roberts, but other than that was Oregon State getting as far as they have thus far and now getting six and a half from Loyola Chicago. But other than them and, and Oral Roberts, you know, I'm not shocked. A couple of surprises, but not shocked at the teams we have left. So, Scott, I remember having this conversation, I think it was last year, um, 
isn't there a trend that you have or you kind of subscribe to after the first two rounds of the tournament? And again, correct me if I'm wrong here. I could be totally off base, but it, something along the lines for play on a team that is like has allowed like the fewest points in the first two games. And is there something like that that uh, you can talk about? Oh yeah, definitely. I'm glad you brought it up. It was it's uh, and, and I'll, I'm looking to do it again here, but it's not so automatic because of the team they're facing. But what you do is. After the first two rounds, the first and second round, and you head into the Sweet 16, you play on or look to play on the team that allowed the fewest amount of points in the first two games. They're on their defensive game. Maybe a style that they play is going to throw a wrench into the system of their current opponent. Uh, But the bottom line is, is they're on their game on the defensive end of the floor, which is something that's so important, obviously. That team this year is Florida State. Now, Florida State just happens to be in a region where they got matched up against the Michigan Wolverines. So there's a big decision there because Michigan, when Livers was healthy, was obviously a national title contender. And when you consider there's only 16 teams left, they're still a national title contender. Now that line was three. It came down to, what, two and a half in a few places, still a lot of threes out there. Uh, but, you know, that's right about where I made that number. I made actually Michigan one and a half. So it's only like one point off from where it was. So the decision is now – do I step in and play against Michigan and continue following this angle? If I'm smart, I just keep playing it. It's like uh, 24 and 10 uh, since I first heard about it and first started following it uh, from a good friend of mine. I think you've met him, Sean Hess, a better here in town. Yep, yep. And uh, so you about winning two and a half to one. You know, that's a pretty nice, uh, pretty nice spread record. All right, good. And there, that was a question from our, our good friend, Happy Frank, back in Green Bay, who uh, remembered that uh, conversation. So uh, there you go. You answered it, and uh, Florida State Seminoles, you know, fit into that. And, and talk about the Seminoles. And this game is coming up on, on Sunday. That is probably, in my opinion, Scott, the marquee game as we jump ahead. Florida State, Michigan, Michigan, a two-and-a-half-point choice. And I don't think anybody uh, has the confidence – in Michigan, or any Big Ten team that's left, them or Maryland at this point in time right now, well, Maryland's gone now. Yeah, I mean, so Michigan's the only team left. But uh, do you think because of what has happened with all these Big Ten teams getting upset that that is the only reason why this line is only two and a half? If uh, Big Ten teams are rolling like, say, the Pac-12 teams, would we see this line at more like four and a half or five? Yeah, you might. I mean, power rating-wise, it's a situation where you know, the line opened up where it should be. You know, if you just look at what they're, the kind of action they're going to take behind the counter, uh, they, they did the right job. I mean, Michigan is basically, you know, going to be favored by five-ish around there. If you do a complete power rating on guys like Ken Palm, who do a fantastic job, my power rating has Florida State rated a little bit higher than what some of the other power rating services have. So it's, you know, you got to go there, and, and I think it's a situation where if the Big Ten teams fared during the dance like they did during the regular season uh, when we all had them power rated as the number one conference, you know, this line could be four rather than three. I could certainly see that. I don't think the reaction at the window would be so, you know, one-sided to play against a Big Ten team like Michigan at this point. When I look at, and by the way, that power rating when I said should be, you know, like around five-ish or so, that's factoring in with Livers in the lineup. So you got to, you know, think about his injury and what that does to the power rating also. Uh, the one thing that Florida State does extremely poorly is turnovers. They're terrible. They turn the ball over way too much. The good news, if you're a Florida State backer, is that Michigan is one of the worst in all of college basketball enforcing turnovers. They are like 
340th, if memory serves correct, 340th in all of college basketball in turnover percentage on the defensive end. So that's something that maybe Florida State, when you're doing your handicapping on the Knowles, you don't have to worry about as much as you would if they were going up against a team that's at least average in forcing turnovers. So there is that going for Florida State. Scott, when it comes to the Big Ten, why were they so overrated, or were they overrated, or did they, just, did they just run into bad luck and play bad games at uh, the worst time of the season that that could happen? Or maybe opponents had something to do with that, too. What yeah, I don't think it was a situation of the conference being overrated. I mean, they were my number one conference, you know, all season long, and, and, I, and I really believe that, you know, during the regular season they were the number one conference, the toughest conference in all of basketball. But, man, you run into, like, Oregon, for instance, you know, with Iowa – and Oregon couldn't miss. They hit 63% of their two-pointers. And it wasn't like – I know there's been times this year where Iowa seemed to, like, forget about the defensive end, but it wasn't like they left these guys uncovered. I mean, Oregon hits 44% of their threes in that game. They end up going, like, 38 for 68, twos and threes combined. And there's just not a team that's going to beat a team that hits – you know, 60% of their shots throughout the course of a game. And that's what Iowa had to face. And, you know, Garza did his job. He was 11 for 16 inside the arc, 3 for 4 outside the arc. The bottom line was, though, is that, again, they just ran into a red-hot basketball team that could not miss. As far as Wisconsin is concerned, it was luck of the draw. You know, you're drawing Baylor. I mean, that's probably legitimately, I'm not going to say the only team that can beat Gonzaga because it's been kind of a crazy tourney. But if you look from a power rating standpoint, you know, Baylor's up there with Gonzaga. Everybody else is a step down. So Wisconsin did a great job against North Carolina, ran into the second-best team in all of college basketball, and that was that. As far as Illinois, as much as they like Underwood, is Porter Moser, is there a better coach out there in college basketball than Porter Moser at Loyola? And again, with that contest, listen, Loyola Chicago was in, everybody that I respect was in their top 10 in power ratings at the end of the season. So it's not like the Big Ten drew a bunch of softies. And, and then, of course, you combine the fact that some of these teams just couldn't miss, and that was that. And we headed into the Sweet 16, speaking of Loyola, they're eight seed, and they're playing – a, a lower seed in Oregon State at 12, and they are a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Scott Spritzer joins us from Doc Sports. All right, real quickly, Scott, let's look at the Saturday docket here. Uh, Oregon State, Loyola, Villanova, Baylor. Baylor a seven-point choice in that game. Oral Roberts, the surprise 15 seed, but again, the number one shooting three-point team in the country, getting 11-and-a-half against Arkansas. And then Syracuse-Houston, the Cougs, a six-point favorite. Again, they're going to have to face Jim Beheim's 2-3 uh, length in that zone defense. Uh, hit on any of those that you'd like, my friend. Well, the interesting one to me is that Oral Roberts-Arkansas game because the teams met way back in December, like third week of December, right. and Arkansas won the game 87-76. to 76. Real quick note, when comparing lines from then to now, Arkansas was a 19-and-a-half-point favorite in that game, and they're now an 11-and-a-half-point favorite. So there's a bit of an adjustment there. Of course, Arkansas was playing on their home floor back then as opposed to a, a neutral floor, but I'm not so sure when you don't have fans in the stands back then that there's, you know, they're worth an eight-point move here with Oral Roberts. And what happened to that game, though, and the reason ORU is going to have ultimate confidence, they actually led Arkansas by 12 points early in the second half of that game. The problem for Oral Roberts in that game, which may rear its ugly head here, is that they give up a lot of offensive rebounds, 
in that game, the reason Arkansas came from double digits down in the second half and won the game by 11, they out-rebounded Oral Roberts 24-7 to offensive rebounds. Set plus seven, that's unheard of. Plus 17 offensive rebounds advantage is unheard of. So because of that, they were able to overcome a weak shooting night from area code three. Arkansas made four of 24 from outside the arc, and that game still won by 11. It was all about the offensive glass there. And that's what ORU is going to have to you know, be careful about. Now, part of the reason they're bad offensive rebounding team is because they shoot from area code three all day long, right? And that's part of it. But you've got to be able to be better than 330th in keeping teams off the offensive glass, which is where Oral Roberts sits. Now, when they went up against Ohio State and Florida, you know, they were able to get away with things because they had a huge free throw advantage over the Gators. They made 19 to 7. They were afforded 14 more opportunities in that game. So they're going to have to figure out a way to continue to draw fouls, which isn't always easy when you're talking about a three-point shooting team. They shot 33 pointers against the Gators, yet got to the free throw line 23 times. And they trailed in that game, too, by 11. So, listen, I think Arkansas, you know, that's an eight-point adjustment that's hard to forget about, even though it was a couple of months ago. All right, for Villanova and Baylor, Villanova takes care of the basketball better than anybody. The best uh, turnover ratio uh, in college basketball, and we know what the Baylor Bears are all about. It seems like Baylor is starting to crank it up again. The line is seven here. Uh, how live of a dog is Villanova? Not many people were giving them much of a shot a couple weeks ago, but it looks like they look like the old Villanova again. Yeah, I, I just got a feeling we're going to see about an 8-9 point win by the Baylor Bears in this one, and this is going to be a spot in this particular game where Villanova's size isn't going to be a difference in the contest like it was against North Texas, for instance. And, of course, they drew um, Winthrop in the opening round, and that's where size was really a big advantage, athletic size over Winthrop. And you remember a lot of folks liked Winthrop in that game because Gillespie was out for Villanova. I, it's tough to go against the Cats because you're talking about, you know, one of the best coaches we've seen in college basketball in the last, in the last couple of decades. What Villano- Villanova's got to do, they're great when it comes to offensive adjusted efficiency. They've got to continue to force turnovers when they face Baylor this weekend. Baylor's really good at not turning the ball over too much, but Villanova's number one in the country at forcing teams to turn the ball over. So they've got to be able to get in their shirts a little bit without giving up open looks. And remember, Baylor's number one in the nation when it comes to three-point accuracy. That's the one spot where Villanova struggles. Uh, They're in the, like, 230s in rankings when it comes to three-point defense. I think eventually Baylor pulls away just, in, in fact, because of that particular stat. Baylor's going to sit outside. They're going to shoot threes. Villanova's not good at guarding threes, and that's going to end up being the difference in the game. All right, great stuff, my friend. You can catch him at DocSports.com. Scott Spritzer, our guy, uh, great stuff. You've been on fire all year, my friend. Uh, hopefully continued success. And if we do have some time with you, if you can make it on Friday, we'd love to, to pick your brain again on, on more of these games, especially the Sunday card as well, too. I'm definitely going to try. I was really jealous watching you guys down at the Cosmo over the weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, open invitation, my man. You know that, you know? I appreciate it, too, definitely. All right, brother. Be good. Take care, man. There he is, Scott Sprites, our great follow on Twitter, too, at Scott Wins. And, again, DocSports.com. All right. Congratulations again to Kevin Kruger, the new head coach at UNLV. And we appreciate him joining us today as well as Scott. All right. By the way, it was Terry Gordy that I was picturing with the Freebirds. Terry Gordy. The and they, vest and, that, and so. they look and alike. And he kind of looked alike with the hair and everything else. And go. when you say Bruce Allen, his catchphrase every time, 
Whenever he played ZZ Top, he always backsold it. Double Z T O P. Yeah. Would have fit right in with your initials. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, he was in a little of a bit of hurt uh, the, the night he he came out. So uh, it, it, it was good fun though. Yeah. Always love, you know, pounding the radio guys. You know, good stuff. <laughs> Speaking of pounding, we've got a pound nunchuck. There it is. Jeez. All right, man. If you miss any part of the show, you know where to go. Go to the website, tcmartinshow.com. We're back at it again tomorrow. RVD in the house. And Lon Kruger joins us. Look forward to that. Looking forward to that myself. And uh, pounding the radio, guys, you might want to rephrase that. I didn't mean it like that. <laughs>